Listener Production. Here at Listener, we acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We also pay our respects to their elders, past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. It's a lot, isn't it? Hey everyone, a very, very exciting episode. Here I have with me Georgia Grace or G-Spot on Instagram, sex coach, host of In Bed. And what what are your qualifications? Hit me, <laughs> list them off. I have a few qualifications. Yeah. My, I, I saw um, your, your Instagram bio is like comma, comma, comma. Yeah. And I'm like, Georgia, you just tell us. Georgia, <laughs> I, I can't memorize. All I know is sex coach and icon. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to put that in my bio, but thank you. So I went down the route of somatic sexology. It was at a time where I was actually, I had a background in media and PR And I wanted to do something that was slightly different to, I guess, an experience that I had at university. I wanted that more practical, up-to-date, less theory-based, but, you know, really taking into consideration the mind and body. And I guess that's what somatic sexology means. It's basically bringing awareness to the body. So I've done a range of certifications over Mm -hmm. the years so that I can be equipped to help people with sex. Well, I'm sure people are wondering if they want to be a sex coach, what does that actually entail? Yeah, so there are many different routes that you can go down. But if you're looking to do something and maybe more in line with sexology, then you might go to university and do a master's of sexology. If you're wanting to do sex coaching, you could go to an institute that offers this kind of study that you're looking for. So it really depends on the approach that you're wanting, how you want to work with people, whether you want to be in session, um, run workshops, There are a few institutes out there. I studied at the Institute of Somatic Sexology. Amazing. Yeah, I did, what would you even call it? Is it a semester? I did a term there, I guess, as well. Awesome. Uh, Because I think you recommended it to me. I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah, no, it was really good. No, it was really, really good. I just got way too busy with everything else to... Did you finish? I finished. I finished the little course, the first course, but Mm -hmm. not. I think there are a few more you can do. Yeah. I think I finished like the first... I know. Anyway. Embodied counselling Embodied, something. maybe it was that. Mm-hmm. Embodied counselling, yeah, yeah, But it was really good even for me suffering anxiety because it wasn't mm. focused around, this is not what we're meant to talk about, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> it wasn't really focused around sex. It's focused about like being embodied and it really helped with my anxiety. And even now I'll do some of the things that I learned in the course to like reconnect with my body or if I'm feeling really anxious, like one of the things we would do would like, feel where, you know, you either have like heaviness or pain and you felt an emotion was stuck. And if you feel out that emotion, then you like can figure out where it's coming from or what it is, or you can cry it out or you can, you know, calm and regulate yourself. So it was really a good thing to do just as it wasn't just all like, here's, here's how you finger. Like it was like, <laughs> yeah. I think when you people hear it, they're like, oh, like you just on Zoom being like, here's a cock. Yep. Like it's not that at all. Yeah. And I think that's actually what people come to me in session. They think that I'm going to give them literally 10 tips on how to have a mind blowing orgasm. And sure, we can certainly do that. But there's so much more if you're wanting to have a really great relationship with sex and your body that we need to work through. And, you know, go do my online course if you're wanting those mm. 10 tips. It's free. Like you can access it whenever. But yeah, there is that, I guess, association to sex coaching that it's all just about techniques based. 
of course, that's a useful part of it, but that's just one aspect to the way that I work. Yeah. So what is a session with you like? Yeah, great Sorry, question. This is, not, <laughs> this is not at all we planned, but I am going to get to what we planned before, but I just love talking to Georgia. So. Yeah. No, they're always really different. And I think the approach that I take with my clients, I work with a range of different concerns or curiosities. So libido and desire, um, pre-orgasmia, so people who haven't experienced orgasm yet, orgasm difficulties, whether they're coming too quickly or not coming at all, as well as a whole range of relational issues and concerns as well. So a session is, I follow a pretty similar structure, but what happens within it is always pretty different. So there's always a check-in. We do some kind of grounding or embodiment. It's very normal for someone to be nervous and anxious to be speaking to someone like me because often people just don't speak about sex ever. So Mm. that's an important first step. Then we go into like the practical side of things, whether it's discussion, working through the theory, working through the main concern, and then we leave each session with some kind of at-home practice because ideally I don't want my clients to see me every week for the next three years. I want them to be equipped to go out and have the sex and the relationships that they want. Like at physio when you have to do your exercises. Exactly. You're at home work. <laughs> Which I never it's do. Important. I <laughs> never do. And they're like, even doing your pulls? And I'm like, yeah. Like every morning the pain's still there. I like know. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it at all. Like I don't even have the equipment that you told me to get. Um, <laughs> so do you all, well, the reason why I wanted to get you on was because obviously recently Conrad and I, like I don't even know if we just said on the podcast that we are in an open relationship and people lost their fucking minds. I mean, I saw. it was a lot of positive stuff that people yeah. people get. And the reason why we decided to tell everyone, mm. I don't know, it wasn't like we were like, guys, this is, we just wanted to say it on a public platform so that people who we met stopped crying when we told them or stopped accusing one of us of like being a cheater mm. or like saying that we must have, like saying that I must have convinced him or people to me would say, oh, babe, like, he, is he forcing you? Like, is he, and they're like, no, babe, it was completely fine. So I want to talk through it with mm. someone who is actually an expert. So <laughs> do you ever deal with couples together? I do, yeah. So I do work with, and actually now more than ever before, am I supporting couples, predominantly couples who have been in a monogamous relationship, mm-hmm. who are curious about moving into something that is more open. There are experts out there who I would call the true experts who have dedicated their lives to researching, understanding and working solely with this area. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I do work with it and I am noticing that more and more people are curious about it. And I think, you know, we see in pop culture, Mm -hmm. there's more discussion around it. It, There's more information about how to navigate it. There's literally so many books around Mm -hmm. how to start exploring it. So So many. Mm -hmm. Well, I kind of want to do this episode because a few people DM me saying like, oh, how would you even bring this up? How do you structure it? Like genuine, genuine questions. And I don't know if I came from a place of them wanting to do it themselves or just asking, but I thought we'll just do like a how-to from you because I, I'm like, oh, I guess everything is different for everyone. Also, maybe the way that I did it isn't the most healthy way. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. but I'm like, maybe you'll have different opinions. So I don't want to say things you will advise and you'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the main question that I got a lot was how do you bring this up with your partner and how do you even recognize if you want to be open or just if maybe, I don't know, uh, there's one particular person that you have a crush on. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like how do you identify that like, no, I actually am fine with non-monogamy versus like maybe this relationship's done and I want to be with someone else. 
Yeah, I think that is a really great question and I think it's actually a huge process. It's not going to happen with just one conversation. You said that you didn't know whether you did it in the most healthy way, but I think when we're looking at open relationships, ethical non-monogamy, really it's such an individual thing. So everything we speak about here... Some people may think, oh, awesome, that's a great framework. I want to explore that. And for other people, they'll just kind of co-create whatever works for them. But I think if you speak to anyone in an open relationship, the most important thing is communication. And they are sort of expert communicators. You are constantly checking in, talking, and it may even be starting the conversation like, hey, I've listened to the podcast and I'm hearing a lot about open relationships and I'm curious, like it's something that I'm interested in and I wanted to talk to you about it. How do you feel about it? And then there may be an initial reaction that's like, oh God, like the security of our relationship doesn't Mm -hmm. exist. What does this mean? Do they want to cheat on me? Do they not love me? Are they not attracted to me? And I think come prepared with maybe a little bit of knowledge or insight as to the why. And that's, I think, the most important question when, whether it's just you who's initiating it or whether maybe you're, you're, you've decided together that you both want to do it, the why are you wanting to be in an open relationship? Because people assume and people, I mean, I'm going to say boomers are like conservative <laughs> on the internet. We're like only three months in and already open. It's already downhill. It's like being open and also being open the whole time, just, we just decided to tell you guys now, but being open isn't something that fixes relationships like how having kids doesn't fix a relationship. Mm. Like it isn't something you do when like you're in dire straits. It's something you do when the relationship's going well, mm. correct? That's such a good point. And I think that often people think that it's a band-aid to fix the infidelity yeah. or the low desire. And really you actually do have to work with the issue or the concern at play. But for many people, they also do identify that that was really useful for them, that someone had low desire, someone had high desire, and that worked for them. But of course, they're still working through the issue and concern together. It's not just like, oh, these other relationships are the band-aid to it, to kind yeah. of fix it. Like, I have high libido, you have a libido, so I'm going to go and we're open now, see you, done. It's a continued <laughs> yeah. conversation. It's like a foundation yeah. of a good relationship. And then there's compromise and communication, which I think the comrade and I are very good at communication. When we first met, awesome. every night before bed, we'd have an emotion check and oh, like, that's see, like see how <laughs> that's it so would smushy. go. So I know, I know like, the first night when we were like, how are you feeling? Like after meeting, like, oh, that's and amazing. then like we do it less regularly now because mm-hmm. like, I mean, like we just talk all day, every day. But mm-hmm. like at the time, like when he was, it was when he was staying with me for like basically two weeks straight. Mm-hmm. It was like more like a check-in of like, how do you how's feel? this? Yeah, how's this? <laughs> yeah, and like, and it's like I'm feeling anxious about this, but I'm, mm. it was like doing a little diary, you know. Mm. And I think that's why it's been it was easy for us to like have this and still have this now because you have that foundation of like really easy communication. Mm. Like I don't think that I could bring anything up with him and him not at least have a conversation about it. And I think vice versa. Mm. Whereas I feel like, what would you do if you're in a relationship where you don't have that? A lot of people, I assume, are thinking like, oh, I couldn't even bring this up with my partner. It would be a breakup from even bringing it up. Mm. How do you navigate that? Well, I think it's the important thing here and maybe what a lot of the backlash was that sort of you saw was people were kind of putting themselves in your position and thinking, I could never do that. That Mm. would never work for me. I'd get too jealous and so on. 
And this isn't for everyone and it won't be right for every relationship. And if you have a sense that bringing it up with your partner might be really triggering for them or it might send them into a spiral of feeling really unsafe, then I'd, you know, tread really lightly. It Mm. could be useful for you to go see a professional or to get stuck into those resources and those books to give you a bit of a sense how to navigate it because it absolutely isn't right for everyone. And for many people, it will feel quite scary to have their partner bring that up. Yeah, people, yeah. See, for me, like, I just... I've just never cared if someone sees someone else. Like, I've tried to care, Georgia. I've tried. <laughs> I've been like, oh, I guess I did this, so I should be upset. But I just I just truly don't give a fuck. And, in fact, it's my kink. Mm. Can we talk about that? Because yep. no one believes me. Yep. No one believes me. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, he's brainwashed you. I'm like, <laughs> babe, I watch cuck queen porn, like, all the time. Yeah, of course. This is a kink. <sighs> it's like, a kink. It is a turn on. It can absolutely turn you on. So, okay, Can you tell me a little bit about the arrangement that is working for you? Okay. So the rules are no one that you've slept with before, so Mm -hmm. like no exes or anything. What else? Oh, you can't sleep with someone more than once, Mm -hmm. but like I don't really care about that. But like (laughs) I won't do it, but like I don't really care. Mm -hmm. So like, but like, and also I think this is misunderstanding. Just we'll get back to this, I'm sure, but the open relationships need to be equally side, like I will never do th- something that upsets him, but I don't mind if he sleeps with someone that he slept with five years ago. Like, I truly don't mind. If he doesn't want me to do that, I won't do that. But I think it's like our boundaries can be different for each other. Mm, anyway. Totally. What else are the rules? Um, We're talking about no sleepovers, mm-hmm. but I think that's, wildly inconvenient and wildly <laughs> just logistically. Like if I'm drunk and I've, oh, my God, I was like, babe, if I'm drunk at someone's house and it's 5.30 in the morning, I'm you not going to go. Up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Order and Uber. The logistics. So we're talking about that, yeah. um, but it's a discussion, mm-hmm. but it's like a no-go zone for now, even though I haven't got with anyone because I'm too fucking busy anyway. <laughs> and then let me the other rules. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I think I think Conrad mostly talked about like not necessarily more than once as much as it is not forming an emotional connection with Uh that other person. Oh, it's also like no like you know like chit chat like. Well, I think at first as well when we when we were structuring it, it was when we just Mm -hmm. met because he hadn't been in an open relationship before. The way that he and I've been in like open ish things, Mm -hmm. or I've like been seeing someone consistently, and they've had a second person that like I would call us both their partner mm-hmm. and I just – and we've had like three sims like mm-hmm. it's been. So I think the way he wanted to structure it was very much like black and white and I was like, mm-hmm. but logistically, babe, like that isn't going to work. Like this is everything. I'm like, okay, but like he's like, okay, but it can't be a friend or someone that you've known before. And I'm like, then how am I going to get like attracted to them? Like because yeah, I struggle with like I don't just like meet someone out – I mean – I can, but it's very, very rare. I also, I was like, babe, logistically, when I go out in public, I have an awful time because people, I'm like, love you guys, but like the whole time it's spent taking photos with fans, Mm -hmm. which like, we love them, but how am I going to pick up? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, logistically, for me, it doesn't work. So we've spoken about that a lot, like, and we've like found a middle ground, but I was like, basically, you're cockblocking me because like, oh, (laughs) it can only be a random person I meet out. I'm like, babe. How am I meeting anyone? Like, you've seen me go out. Like, I have dinner and people come and sit at the dinner table with me that I don't know, like strangers. Like, if I can't be someone that I work with, if it can't be someone, like, babe, yeah. like, we need to top this out. So we've kind of gotten to that point. So basically, yeah, it's basically, it's no one that you've said before, uh, not more than once, and uh, no sleepovers is a 
maybe. And you're the primary partner. She- yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. So can we awesome. explain what primary partners are for those who are listening yeah. for context? Actually, I've prepared something for you. Ah! And I don't know if you've seen this. Have you read Polly Secure? No. Okay, everyone really, really should read this. Oh regardless. God, I know. Th- thanks to Lem for that. <laughs> I didn't him. print it out. Okay, oh so as you'll see, and I don't know if we have show notes, but this could be useful to get to give people access to this. So this is by Jessica Fern who wrote Polysecure Mm -hmm. and it kind of maps out the different styles of relationships. So it sounds like you are in an open relationship, which typically means, and this is of course a generalisation, that there are sort of two primary partners and then there are relationships sort of outside of that, that, you know, depending on what the arrangements are, could be for more sexual or intimate Mm -hmm. relationships. But of course, there's like that core, as we've just Mm -hmm. said. But on this axis, it kind of maps out different sort of uh, exclusivity levels. So whether that is sexual exclusivity or emotional exclusivity. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a useful thing for people to look at because for some people, they might go for more of a relationship anarchy, which looks at, you know, there is not just sort of one person who rules it all, but everyone is kind of in this. It's it's like kind a of soup of partners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like, yeah. moving away from like even using the word partner, like some people wouldn't even say that. But mm. then, you know, there could be more polyfidelity where there is a, a group of people or more than two people, monogamish. Um and that's mm-hmm. a term coined by Dan Savage. If you haven't heard Dan Savage Get a grip. I made Comrade listen to it when we were together and it was like there were things, if there are things, the hot tip, with Dan Savage, if there are certain things like you want your partner to know but not really be like, oh, my God, which is this podcast on this drive? And it's Dan Savage like saying things in a very frank way and he's like, is this to me? And I'm like, yeah. 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 Take notes. Yeah, do notes, yeah. But I think that's a really great term because it does speak to, and some people kind of, open and close the relationship. Mm-hmm. So they may be open for a bit and then they may close it again. So well, this is the thing people had a freak out about being like, what happens if one of us change your mind? It's like, mm. then we change. You like, might. It's not like we're signing a contract where we have to fuck someone once a month each. Like, yeah. Then we can, <laughs> yeah. we can talk. Fit the quota. Yeah, it's like we can talk about it. Yeah. And then if we don't align, then we'll have to split up. But if we, if we do align, then great. Like mm. it's... We're primary partners, so we can mm. talk about these things. It isn't like a it isn't like a switch that goes off and is stuck there. Mm. Like it's it's fine. Yeah, and I think people get really when we're looking at open relationships, people get really stuck in a monogamy framework which has rules. And mm-hmm. I know you've mentioned rules, and I think a lot of sort of experts or people in the space might also challenge the use of rules as well. And instead, they'd look at boundaries and agreements. Mm. So. Boundaries are something you set in relation to other and agreements are something that you make within the relationship. So a boundary might be, I don't want to hear about the sex that you're having. It's, you know, going to be triggering for me. But an agreement might mean, oh, we're going to be open and we're going to have a check-in every week, going to have the smushy emotional Mm -hmm. touch base. (laughs) And that's an agreement that you co-create together. So, But it is tricky to move out of that monogamy mindset because we're essentially geared to think about relationships since we can, you know, even comprehend what relationships mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So there are all these different structures you can have and they also can be flowing and changing. So everyone, just calm down because <laughs> people get so angry. Now the question, I think the next thing is, say, okay, you've had the conversation with your partner. Mm. They're like, okay, 
I'm down. Mm. How do you then get these boundaries and agreements in place? Mm. So this, again, takes time and it's certainly not one conversation. What you might do is look at all of these sort of frameworks and think, oh, which seems really exciting and sexy and fun to me? And you might pick apart them, think, oh, no, that actually doesn't work for me. I'd feel awful in that. On the point of it being sexy and fun, Mm. people seem to think that being open is a sacrifice. Like you're like, Mm. okay, I'm letting them sleep with someone else. Forgetting that maybe this can, A, be exciting for you with getting um, new relationship energy. Is that also a Dan Savage thing? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Probably. He coins everything. GG. (laughs) We love it. A, you can can have the excitement of, Mm. you know, seeing other people, but also you, like me, may enjoy your partner sleeping with others and also may enjoy threesomes or group sex or swingers parties or whatever else. So it isn't like a, I don't know, like I'm I'm being punished and this is a negative thing. Mm. What can, it's not like what can I cop? It's mm. like what would I enjoy? Totally. Right. I think the two parts, I guess, can be experienced as well. That is, mm. that is the jealousy and the fear and the lack of security that might come with it. But I don't think people also think about the sex and the fun and the pleasure yeah. and Cummings. the love. Yeah. <laughs> All the cum that yeah. can come from this. <laughs> like it is can be really fun and sexy and enlivening for people mm. to be able to flirt and date and fuck whoever they want. Absolutely. So you, you have the boundaries and the agreements set up. What happens if you get to a boundary, like the sleepover thing? Okay, what if Conrad is like, nah, no way, mm. and I'm like, it isn't even like oh, I'm dying to sleep over. It's like I can't be fucked to leave someone's house. Yeah. What do you do then? Mm. It could be useful to draw on Betty Martin's work and look at the distinction between wanting and willing. Mm-hmm. So wanting is something that you're wanting for yourself, you're receiving, I know I want this for me, this feels great for me. And willing is, okay, what am I willing to do for the relationship? Mm. Yes, I'm not receiving. Um, I still have to be consenting, you know, enthusiastically Mm. consenting to it. But what am I willing to do for my partner and for my relationship? Mm-hmm. And it takes time. Like it's a lot of Because I'm willing to get an Uber home. I mean, <laughs> for Conrad, I would. Oh. And then you touch base. And then it might be that sort of setting where you think, okay, actually the admin is feeling really shit. What can I do to support you in feeling safe and so that I don't have to get an Uber home at 5 a.m. feeling slightly hungover? What can I do to support you in feeling safe and in control mm-hmm. so that maybe we can make this work a little bit easier? And the biggest question I get is how are you going to deal with jealousy? Now, I don't give a fuck. So, mm-hmm. again, guys, it's my kink. I've said this. I know <laughs> why you aren't listening. Like, I come thinking about this. I don't get jealous. I come thinking about it. It's literally the op- <laughs> People don't get it. I'm, like, yelling it in their faces and I'm like, it's my kink. And they're yeah. like, but aren't you jealous? I'm like, no. No. <laughs> It turns you on. And there will be people, hopefully, people out there listening who also experience this Mm. and feel this. And I think, you know, when we look at kinks, because they're described as something that isn't the straight and narrow, sometimes when you are within this framework of monogamy, it can take time to understand. And you don't even really need to understand someone's kink. Just Mm. don't shame them for it. You don't need to want that person's kink. Just let them have that. But I don't even think it's a king shaming. I think they actually they're monogamous brains, mm. which is like fine because it's what, like you said, what we've been trained since birth to experience and understand. They cannot compute mm. that 
there is no jealousy mm-hmm. in I'm like, honestly, it's like an apathy and then a king. Like Comrade fucked someone the other day and he texts me, he's like, oh, I'll up with someone. I was like, okay, cool. I'm really tired. So like, can you save this conversation <laughs> when I'm horny? Like I was like. Just I was neutral. Like, yeah. Like yeah. I, I was like, okay, oh, cool. Um, Anyway, mm. what are you today? Like I, could, mm. I just am apathetic about it. But also I was like, but save this story for next time. Like we're about to fuck. And yeah. then like I'm like, save, then. bottle it. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, I know I'll be horny about this, but I was like falling asleep. And he was like telling me all the things. And I was like, st- I was texting him like, stop. Like. Love this, Don't hot. It. It's like, oh, she was really hot. I was like, Kate, pause. Yeah. Tell me in two weeks when I see you. But how would one deal with the jealousy if in theory they had jealousy? Because there's, there's going to be people that have jealousy in the um, relationship. Maybe I will one day. Totally. So I think the it's important to like put in a word to what you're describing and, you know, it sounds like you're experiencing compersion, which essentially means you get joy from your partner experiencing joy and it's not related to you and Mm -hmm. it has pretty much nothing to do with you but it's like, you know, a classic analogy is when someone gets a pay rise or a new job, you're really happy for them, it's Mm. got nothing to do with you. So it is a very real thing and many people in non-monogamous relationships experience this and it's one thing that supports them in having a great time. I think it is important to normalise jealousy, though. It's Mm. likely that it will come up. Even people, and I'm not saying that you will experience it. Maybe I will. You might, though. Something might happen that might be a trigger that I don't realise. Yeah, yeah, and it could happen. I think to not shame anyone in an open relationship for experiencing that because I think we can intellectualise it and say, but I, I know I'm safe, I know I'm secure, I know I've chosen this for myself and I don't know why I'm jealous, but sometimes our bodies respond in these ways mm. and we need something. And then that's an opportunity for you to come back, to touch base and to say, hey, I had this jealousy response. I think I'm going to need to touch base or need this from you or can we talk this through or can you give me a hug or mm. like can we reassess the kind of agreements that we have going on here and the human need that you have, because we all have needs in relationships. Mm-hmm. So if jealousy comes up, talk it through. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. You're not doing it wrong. Mm. Maybe see your practitioner to get a little bit of support in working through it. But, you know, it's pretty human. Absolutely. You know, and I feel like there are going to be other issues to come up. But because, I know, maybe because you're, if you are in a non-monogamous relationship, maybe you'll have the skill set to be able to, because you have the foundation as communication that we started at the beginning (laughs) and then you'll be able to use those skills and maybe with help from George's podcast or from George's, you know, going going into her office. Is that a hot office? Yeah. Hot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us what happened there? I don't don't want to ask you one more thing though that I feel like we only touched on before. Okay, so let's say... Okay, we're going back to figuring out how mm-hmm. to structure the open relationship. Mm. How would that physically look? Like, would you both go away and write down, like, I don't want this, I do want this? Yeah, Like, totally. for example, with me, it's like, tell me everything. When you're having mm. sex, then remember every single detail. And if you mm. don't, annoyed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. with comment, I think, I mean, I again... I haven't fucked anyone yet because I'm fucking tired and I'm fucking busy. It's been very hard. It's so sad. I've tried once. You need to book in a holiday so you can just go out and intellectualise with someone. I know. Get them to turn you on. I know. <laughs> but it's just like, I don't know, it's hard to meet people, you know, because yeah. on, on the apps mm. people just like 
well, they reckon, do people find you on the apps? Yeah, I get blocked on oh, every app God. because everyone reports me as a fake account. Cock blocking. Yeah, literally, blocking. literally. Mm. And then I've said this before openly that like people on the apps, like particularly femmes, like mm. like non-binary or non-binary people or, or women, like queers, will try to like their first line would be like a personal like, not even a personal joke because I don't know them. It's like a like a, something from my content. Or okay. like they'll be like, oh my god, I ha-, like not this, not and no one's ever said this, but I'm just designing this. Or I'd be like, oh my god, like I have the bush vibrator, like uh, like you use it on me, like not, but like not that like crass, okay. but like <laughs> yeah. it's like jokes about the podcast. So okay. I then just block them because yeah. I'm like I'm not yeah <laughs> I'm not yeah doing that yeah. And then the issue is if they don't know who I am, their friends then te- like if I get with someone out, their friends then tell them who I am like I've had that happen before where oh like I'll kiss God. someone like because usually women um yeah. and their friends will tell them who I am and they'll go oh my god oh my god can you get a phone and I'm like oh, no fuck, this is just, just so it's really hard it. yeah and then men usually don't know who I am mm-hmm. but they're also revolting so it's like <laughs> like I, I found one man that I'm attracted to in the part that isn't Conrad like one one <laughs> Is it the personality oh of like Oh my god, you need to go toad? to another country if you're even safe there. No, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm like, get me, even like just New Zealand, I'm sure I'll be fine. Even like, I know Perth wouldn't be, but anyway. So like, it's really hard for me to um, yeah. meet people who I'm attracted to and don't know who I am or, yeah, like those are the two criteria for me. And if you know who I am, that's fine, but like. Yeah, just I don't, don't know. talk about it. It's bush. weird. Like yep. one time, I, I think I said this on another episode, like I, I pashed someone one time at a bar and she turned around to her friends and was like, like squealed. And I was oh, like, oh. God, yeah. And then my friend was like, that was embarrassing from you that you just got with a fan. And I was like. <laughs> oh, like I didn't know. He was like, I told you not to. I told you not to. She's a demo. And I was like, I'm. Fuck me. So, yeah, that's the current situation with why I can't get with anyone. God, just when we thought dating was hard, it's really fucking hard for you right now. Well, it was even harder before we were openly open because no, everyone thought that I was trying to cheat on Conrad. Oh, God. So everyone was like... um, Have you had more people throw themselves? No. No. Guys, it's really (laughs) hard. I used to get fucking sex really easily and now it's really hard. And then this is where, uh, you know... Um, not that I want to change it at all. I like the mm. rule about no one that you said before. Mm. But I'm like, there are some real, real in easy, <laughs> like there are some, there are some real easy like bait. Like, mm. like, like not people that I even like, people that I've like said with once in Brisbane. I'm like, that'll be hey. pretty easy and yeah. I wouldn't care about it. But uh, it's not, then once we open that, the rules have changed. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I mean, and they can. Not saying that, you know, they will, but... They can. Like, mm. the agreements can change and I think that's a really um, common thing to happen, that you go into something and you think, oh, this will be really great. Actually, it's not as great or it's mm. not as easy and I think we need to do this kind of thing in order to make sure that it is really fun mm. and sexy for us. So, yeah. yeah, the practicality of it, that's a really great point and I think a lot of people don't realise that it can be hard to meet new people. It can be hard to date, especially when people... Maybe no. Also, you. it's so much easier for Conrad because like um like a man with a profile is like exciting to get with. Mm. Like straight men are like almost like weirded out by like what I do. Like if they don't know what I do, like I've said this a lot a lot of times, but once I was 
with someone that I was seeing and I met his friend and his friend said, what do you do for work? And I said, oh, I have a podcast, which is easy to say. And he said, that isn't a job, that's a hobby. <laughs> so. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm doing I was fine. Like, mm, okay. Um, um, have you gone on field? I have okay. field. Is it? I just. The, the same the issue? It made me feel okay. really like, exposed mm-hmm. um, because I feel like it's, I, I feel like even if someone doesn't say they know me, I'm like paranoid now. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, so I, I need to meet them like. What about age range? Have you tried like a different demographic who might not? That's a good idea. I'll just, I may well up the age range. Yeah. When follow. I was, when my Tinder was on just women, I upped the age range, hoping okay. that it would like weed yeah. some out. But then I, um, then I just got too scared because I'm like, oh my god, you're gonna know who I am. Yeah. Like, da, 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 da. So yeah, it's it's really hard. Like everyone gets excited that they're getting with Conrad, and then no one gets ex- no no like. Okay, I don't like people getting excited to get with me because of who I am, and like straight men don't give a fuck, and in <laughs> fact they like mean to me about it. Like so, the options are either they're intimidated and they're like, oh, like she's like I don't know, like they're intimidated by whatever. Or they're like on the same level or uh, uh, like more in the public eye than I am. And they're like patronizing about me. Like oh, they're like, oh, like podcast. Yeah. Oh, you should do Oh, you should on radio. You should do radio. And I'm like, okay. Like, um, Daddy. okay. <laughs> I guess I'll try to do radio. Like, oh, I try to like mentor me. And I'm like, just fuck no. me. <laughs> like, I don't need your fucking mentoring. So yeah, it's just been weird. And then, but now that we're open, I ho- I'm hoping it's easier. Yeah. How long have you been publicly open for now? Mm. How long have people known? Two, two weeks. weeks. Okay. Two yeah. weeks. But I also haven't been out yet. Yeah. Like, and Mardi Gras is <gasps> happening. I mean, also, guys, wow, News Flash is recorded before Mardi Gras. Yeah. Um, I hate when podcasts, I try to hide the fact they were recorded earlier. Sorry, guys, we recorded this earlier. Go up. You've already been. You've already yeah. hooked up with someone. You've had fucking amazing sex. Yeah. So really. Fingers <laughs> crossed. But I think people think that it needs to be even. And I'm like, mm. they're like, aren't you sad that he's getting the people and you're not? I'm like, no. Because him, whether he does or he doesn't, doesn't affect like if I am or if mm. I'm not. Like at least someone's getting some. Mm. At least we're not like a weird loser couple when none of us can get laid. Only one of us <laughs> can't get laid. Like it's like, I'm like, I just feel like I'm not the weird loser that like can't get anyone. Oh, babe. I know. It's really sad. There's one person that I wanted to sleep with, but it just didn't work out. And now I'm just leaving that in the dust. So how do I find people? Actually, help me with that. Yeah. How do I find people? Help me. Oh, God. Honestly, that is like such a concern with everyone at the moment. It's really, really hard to date and to meet people. Everyone's struggling. Even people not navigating sort of the openness. Mm. There's app fatigue. Everyone's over apps after having to punish them throughout lockdown. Mm. We can't really go out. People aren't really, you know, doing things. So it is tricky, but going to new places, expanding the demographic that you would usually, getting your bum so go to Mardi Gras. Go, go to Mardi Gras and overseas. <laughs> Basically, go across the Tasman Sea. Okay, we have some questions from, um, also I love the open relationship chat. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. I'm sure people have learned a lot. If you want to learn more, listen to uh, George's podcast in bed. Anyway, so, okay, so someone asked, and it's also me asking, (laughs) (laughs) how do I squirt? I've asked this before. I've been, I actually have, I've been trying. Mm. Mm. Maybe maybe it's the physio thing. 
Yeah. I say that I've been trying, but you have haven't. I, I haven't. Can I just say I'm interested in this as well? Can Good. you squirt, Lem? Uh, no, it has never happened. And I would love to understand. Like, I know that, I think you posted something about it being similar to pee. Like, it's urine, but it doesn't really matter, right? Like, Yeah. We don't really have hard research on what it actually is. Mm. Some schools of thought say that it is urine and others say it has prostatic enzymes. But, you know, that in that post I was saying, I'm just like less concerned with proving that it is or isn't we. I'm more concerned with supporting people to feel comfortable so that they yeah. can experience it. I often wondered why it's so important for us to figure out if it's we or not. Yeah, I'm I like, know. Just get over it. If you're fine with it, you're <laughs> yeah. fine with Like, uh, yeah. is it piss? Yeah. Oh, it's like 35% we. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe sometimes it's more we than less we. Maybe it's just like, who knows? Yeah. And who really cares? Sex has, I mean, you'll let someone come on your chest or spit in your mouth, but the fact that, you know, we might, get on the sheets, it can feel really concerning. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, if we're looking at this, everyone has the mechanics to squirt, but this doesn't necessarily mean that everyone will or wants to. So you can certainly try to do it. I think the main piece here is to get some dual stimulation. So external clitoral stimulation, internal G-spot stimulation. So that's inserting your fingers, hooking around and stimulating like that. Or the whoosh, I mean ex-whoosh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Any device, any tool that works for you. I've had cummies with the vush inside me. Mm -hmm. What kind of cummies? Like, is it like a milky sort of cum-like? Yeah, yeah. Wait, the vush inside of you? Yeah. Ah, okay. But I don't squirt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's okay. But it's not okay because everyone that I (laughs) fuck... Is like, can you squirt? And I'm like, no. Not and yet. I, but you're the vibrator girl. And I'm like, I don't know, everyone. I mean, I've, I don't know. I was told by Rosie Reese from Yoni Pleasure Palace, love her, to wear a Yoni egg mm-hmm. for a month, like mm-hmm. every day for an hour or something. Mm-hmm. Haven't done it. Okay. Will that yeah. help? I don't know. I mean, you can try. I think it's a, it's like trying a few things. I would sort of work in a different way whereby I'm looking all about masturbation and what's going on. So you might want to get a dildo that is slightly harder so that you can get it up and stimulate the G-spot in a way that is more direct. A glass one. Like a glass one. I have one. a glass one. Okay, tick. Use that. Use that. External clitoral stimulation, making sure you're doing that. Um, now, I have a question about this. Okay, yeah. this is my, also me. I, no one asks the question. It's just me. <laughs> So we're not answering your questions. No, fuck them. Sorry, guys. We'll do another episode. Or listen to the podcast. Listen to this podcast. Okay, so my fear when I'm... I've got a sweaty nose, sorry. When I'm, okay, when I'm masturbating and I'm trying to do squirty McSquirterson, yeah. I am scared that my rubbing of my clit is going to block off the ent- well, the exit path for the squirt. <laughs> Lock it up. Yeah, and I'm and I'm gonna and I'm like I'm gonna not be able to squirt because I'm like rubbing my clit, which is like it comes out your urethra, right? No, the squirt. Where does okay. the squirt come oh, from? Oh, sorry, sorry. The okay. So I thought you said your clit covers your urethra. No, no, no. The, ure- the yes. squirt comes out. Of, so I'm scared yep. that I'm blocking my urethra with my fingers. Is <laughs> well, I squirt. Regard mine is. I mean, if you're going to squirt, like, you're not going to plug it up. Like, it's cool, going to come cool, out. Cool, so just cool. do so what you're doing. It. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> plug it up. 
<laughs> you just haven't seen it. Oh, I thought maybe like I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you really sort of plug. No, but that yeah. is like a really sensitive area for people. So yeah. like stimulating mm-hmm. the uh, around the urethral opening can feel really pleasurable. So you're not going to plug. Your urethra. Cool. You're not mm. going to desensitize your genitals in any way, but it can be really useful for people to use external clitoral stimulation as well as internal. Mm-hmm. Then I think getting your whole body into it. So using your breath, so down regulating breath. So that's like lengthening your exhale, bringing your hips, hip thrusts into it. Mm-hmm. So movement into your body. Mm-hmm. If you ever feel like there's an intensity that's building in your body that feels like you're about to wee, a lot of people clench and hold. See, my fear, because I've had so many UTIs, I think maybe I'm clenched for life. (laughs) (laughs) UTI trauma. Yeah, Yeah. I'm like, I'm so scared of weeing all the time because I always have a UTI. I honestly should be the face of Ural. Um, (laughs) But Comrade literally is like, we have, have a Ural every time we have sex. Because I'm so scared. I get UTIs all the time. Anyway, Precautions. We love yeah, that. I mean, we love that. Um, mm. Healthy urethra vibes. But I yeah. I think my my body is like so trained that it will never be unclenched. Yeah. I mean, it can. That is Maybe. a really intense thing to go through. Like UTIs fucking suck. The they worst. are awful. Mm. So, you know, maybe I'm not going to say it's not for you if it's triggering. No, you but know what? I'll are... send this episode to people that ask me to squirt and I'll be like, look. I had yeah. a sex coach over that I couldn't. So stop. <laughs> so stop trying. Never said that. Yeah. Um, but if you do get to that stage where you feel like, you know, there is a pressure in your body and it kind of feels like you're about to wee, just release. Okay. Just relax. Release into it. And I know it's really hard for people. I hear it all the time. People come to me in session and they say that, they didn't actually know they were squirting. They thought they wet themselves. But because it was during masturbation or sex, you know, they were squirting, gushing or ejaculating. Okay. All right. I'm going to have faith in my urethra and my G-spot and I'm going to try. Okay, I'm going to try. It go. I'm going to give it a go. But also when it comes to squirting, I think, you know, because we see it a lot in porn, we think that it's like the pinnacle, like this peak moment of sex. And, yeah, it can feel really pleasurable but it's not necessarily an orgasm. It can happen mm. before, during or after. It's more of a release and it, and it can be really fun. But yeah, anytime I think you put a goal on something, it adds more pressure to perform rather than experience. So true. Well, I'm going to try and experience it tonight. Um, thank you so much <laughs> for coming on. Uh, listen to the podcast uh, In Bed. And follow Georgia on Instagram at G... Is it G dot spot? G, G underscore spot. G spot dot underscore some G spot took it. G spot. Oh, yeah. G spot <laughs> they dot found it underscore. First. <laughs> and everyone go and report G... And no, I'm getting <laughs> Report on the stall. I'm getting in here. Um, thank you so much. And we'll be back on Friday for a Nightmare Fuel. I'm very excited. Listener.